Hello, residents. My name is Mike Estefan. I'm joined today by Maddie Watts, and thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Pearson Ravitz Insurance, my personal independent disability insurance agent. We will talk more about Pearson Ravitz later in the episode, but for now, let's move on to the case. Let's get into it. Today is round number six of the game, Maddie Watts style. Maddie will need to perform today's case in real ABEM oral boards format. She has 15 minutes to complete the full case. She does not know what this case is ahead of time, and this case was created by me. It is not a real patient. If Maddie hits all the critical actions that I have listed out beforehand, she wins. If she doesn't, or if she performs one of the many dangerous actions that are often weaved into these cases, I win. Again, these cases were created by me. They are not derived from actual ABEM cases that I had, and they are not real patients. Maddie, how are you today? I'm good. Ready for the challenge. All right, let's do it. Maddie, take out a piece of paper and a pencil. Place the paper sideways in front of you. Outline a human body on the left side of it, and let me know when you are ready. I'm ready. <clears throat> All right. Dr. Watts, this will be a single patient encounter. You will have 15 minutes to complete the case. Before we begin, do you have any questions? Nope, I'm ready. Okay, let me get my timer. Okay, let's begin. Time has started. So, Dr. Watts, you are working a shift at Clerkship General when the charge nurse comes and grabs you. Hey, Dr. Watts, the base command phone is ringing. Could you pick it up, please? Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> All right, so I answer the phone. Hey, this is Clerkship General. What you got? Hey, Doc, just wanted to give you a heads up on the stroke alert we're bringing you. We have a 70-year-old male, 70-year-old male with history of prior stroke who developed sudden onset of left arm numbness and weakness about two hours ago was his last known well. He's definitely weak on exam. We're going to be there in about five minutes. We'll meet in the hallway outside of CT like we usually do for our stroke alerts. Any questions? That sounds good. Do you have a set of vitals? Uh, we are getting them right now. We just picked them up. I just wanted to give you a heads up. Okay. And do you happen to know if he has any residual deficits from his first stroke? Uh, he told us that he has problems with balance, but he doesn't have weakness. Okay, good to know. We'll see you in the hallway. Drive safe. Okay. Thanks. Um, okay, so uh, EMS has arrived in the hallway outside the CT scanner. All right, so I'm going to come see the patient. Hello, sir. I'm Dr. Watts. It's nice to meet you. Can you tell me your name? Uh, my name is John Joseph. Okay. Um, and does he have any slurred speech that you can tell? Uh, his speech does not sound slurred. Okay. Um, does he have any obvious facial droop? No facial droop. Okay. Um, is he looking at both sides of the bed as I move around? Does he seem to have any um, neglect? No hemi-neglect. He is tracking you normally. Okay. Sir, do you know where you are right now or what has happened? Uh, I should be at the hospital. I hope I'm at the hospital. 
Yes, you are. Just checking. Um, can you squeeze both my fingers? Uh, okay. The patient goes to squeeze your fingers, um, and he's notably weaker on the left side. Okay. Can you raise your right leg off the bed, and I'm going to push down against him, test the uh, strength against resistance? Uh, normal right lower extremity. Okay. Can I do the same on the left? Normal left lower extremity. Okay, so he just has left upper extremity weakness. Is that correct? Uh, I don't know. You tell me, Doc. <laughs> okay. Um, and he doesn't appear aphasic. He seems to be able to find his words appropriately. Um, and, sir, what medical history do you have? Um, I've had a prior stroke. I have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and diabetes. Okay. Um, and you said, according to EMS, that you feel a little off balance at times, but you don't have any residual weakness um, in your extremities from your first stroke that you had. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Um, what medications do you take? I am on aspirin, 81 milligrams, atorvastatin, lisinopril, amlodipine, metformin, and I take insulin for my diabetes. Okay. Um, can we get a point of care glucose before he rolls back to the scanner? Uh, the nurse comes in and states that would be an excellent idea. Um, the AccuCheck is 190. Okay, great. Um, and sir, do you have any allergies to medications? Um, he has no allergies. Okay, um, great. And have you ever had any surgeries before? No surgical history. Okay. What were you doing when this happened today? Well, so here's what happened. I had loaded the dishwasher this afternoon, and I was getting pretty tired. You know, I, I'm a carpenter, and I, I worked a long day yesterday, so I laid down to take a nap, and that was about two hours ago. I felt completely fine before my nap, um, and then I woke up, felt like something was wrong, and couldn't really put a finger on it, went over to the dishwasher and realized my left arm was just numb and not really working. So I, uh, I called 911 and now I'm here. But listen, doc, I, I'm, I'm really worried. Like I said, I'm a carpenter. I'm left-handed. I, I can't afford to, to retire yet. You, you got to fix me. You got to help me, doc. Okay. Well, thanks for that background. Um, I do think we should go ahead and roll him to CT. I'd like to get a non-con head CT to start to look for intracranial hemorrhage. Um, and then moving on from there, we can do um, a CT um, with contrast and um, a CTA to also look for um, any other signs of ischemic stroke or aneurysm. So let's go ahead and roll him back to the CT scanner. Okay. The patient is rolled back to CT. Um, the nurse says, would you like a line so he could get contrast? Yes, I would like to start a line. Um, and if we're going to go ahead and get an IV, let's get some lab work as well. So, um, And let's do a quick EKG if we can. Um, and then for lab work, I would do a CBC, a BMP, um, I don't think he has, he said he was only taking aspirin, um, but I'd like to get coags just in case um, or get a give TPA. I'd like to do a PTINR. Um, and let's do uh, troponin as well. Um, okay, that's a be good. 
Okay, so I got EKG, CBC, BMP, coags, and a troponin. Yes. Okay. EKG was sent. Um, the nurse says, hey, uh, doc, do you want this patient monitored while he's getting his CT scans? Um, ideally, yes, if that's not too much of a hassle. No, it's not at all. Um, would you like a set of vital signs? Yes, I would like a set of vital signs. That would be great. Okay. Good, because I was going to take them anyway. Um, <laughs> so the patient's heart rate is 120. His blood pressure is 180 over 90. His respiratory rate is 22. His O2 sat is 97%, and his temperature is 97.7. And as the nurse is getting vital signs, the patient calls out, Hey, doc, what about my chest pain? <laughs> All right, I'm taking a look at your EKG, which looks at your heart. Um, when did you start having chest pain? Well, remember how I said I woke up and I kind of wasn't feeling right? Yeah. Well, I was. I was. I woke up because I had some chest pain. But um, what's really bothering me is the the numbness in my arm. Um, like I said, I can't. You know, I can't do my job with my arm this weak and numb. That makes sense. How, can you describe the chest pain that you're feeling? Uh, it's severe. It, it's it's sharp. It's right in the middle of my chest. It's not going away. Okay. Do you feel short of breath? No, not really. Okay. Or nauseated like you're going to throw up? No. No, I don't feel nauseous. Just in severe pain. Okay. And does the pain go down your arm or your arm is primarily just numbness? No, like tingling or pain shooting down the arm? No, it, it feels like I've got Novocaine in my arm. Okay. All right. Um, so let's do, um, I'm looking at the EKG now. He, um, given that he's complaining of chest pain, um, this does look like a, a sinus rhythm with a narrow QRS and I'm looking for any signs of ischemia he does have um, slightly peaked T waves in the anterior leads, um, but really not that impressive. Um, there's no T wave inversions, and I don't see any um, ST segment elevation or depression. Um, but I'd like to get another one um, in like 30 minutes just to make sure that we're watching for any further progression. Um, and we can give him sub sublingual nitroglycerin right now for his chest pain. Okay. How much would you like? Um, let's just do one tab. So 0.4, I think it is. Uh, yeah, we can do that. All right. The nitroglycerin has been administered. Doc, do you want this patient to get a CT scans? Um, I do still want to get his, at least his non-con CT. Um, I want to go ahead, but I'd like to have a nurse... Um, in the scanner with him um, and monitoring his chest pain as well. Um, and I'll be there as much as I can. Okay. Um, so let's see. Uh, patient gets his scans quickly. It, it, it is a stroke alert. It was a pre-hospital stroke alert. So these got done pretty quick. Um, and labs are starting to come back. Um, let's see. Radiologist is reading the CTs right now. I'll tell you the lab results. Um, so his CBC, his hemoglobin is 15.5. His white count is seven. His platelet count is 450. 
His BMP, uh, largely unremarkable. His sodium's 135, his potassium's 3.5, his creatinine's 1.1. He's got a bicarb of 24, a BUN of 20, and a glucose of 190. His high-sensitivity troponin is negative. Okay. Um, and his coags were normal. Okay. Um, and ring, 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 ring. Radiologist is calling for you, Dr. Watts. All right, great. Um, hey, radiologist, tell me what you see on the CT scans. Hey, so I don't really see much of anything. Um, his his non-contrast CT, there's definitely no hemorrhage or anything like that. Um, his his CT angiography, I don't see any you know any large vessel occlusion or really any thrombus or anything. Um, so yeah, that's it. Any any questions? Nope, that sounds good. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. Um, so let's get the patient back to the ED. I'd like him on a cardiac monitor. Um, and I want to go talk to him again and see if there's been any change in his chest pain or his arm numbness and weakness. Okay. Um, the patient's back in the room patient saying, doc, this medicine isn't helping my chest pain and I'm still freaking out about my arm. What are we going to do? Yeah. Um, so you mentioned you have a history of stroke. Do you have any history of any heart problems besides the high blood pressure and high cholesterol? No, not to my knowledge. Okay. Never had a heart attack or had to have stents placed? Nope. Okay. Um, no history of heart failure? Nope. Okay. All right. Um, so I want to get another EKG. Your first EKG did not show any signs that you were having a heart attack. Um, and your first heart enzyme, which is one of the lab tests we look for for heart attack, was also normal. But these can change over time, so I want to keep watching them. Um, and I also want to consider some other things that could be causing your symptoms. So I'm also worried about a uh, aortic dissection. So I do think we actually need to get you back to the CT scanner, but I want to do a few exam things first. Um, can I check pulses in both of his upper and lower extremities? Uh, lower extremities, symmetric pulses. The left upper extremity pulse is diminished. Okay. Um, okay. And then quickly, um, does he have normal breath sounds? Any crackles? No. No crackles, normal breath sounds. Okay. Symmetric on both sides? Correct. Um, does he have any abdominal pain or tenderness? No. Okay. Um, does he have any murmur? When I listen to his heart, he does. He has a diastolic decrescendo murmur. Oh, okay. Um, so I am still concerned about dissection, but I'm going to get the ultrasound machine and do a quick bedside echo. Um, what do I see in terms of starting off with his, um, if I'm in the parasternal long, does it look like he's got um, relatively good function, good squeeze? EF uh, looks grossly intact, not reduced. Okay. Um, and as I go through each of my views, do I see pericardial effusion? No pericardial effusion. Okay. Do I see um, any dilation of either of his ventricles or uh, atria? No. Okay. Um, and is there any obvious dissection flap that I can see? Nothing obvious on your bedside ultrasound, but keep in mind this ultrasound is about 15 years old. We haven't haven't had the money to uh, upgrade our, our equipment in the department. Yes. Okay. Um, well, I'm pretty concerned for dissection, um, and 
I want to go ahead and get him back to the CT scanner and do a CTA of his chest looking for dissection. Um, if we can call radiology and get that done stat. Okay, patient went to CT, got the CT, radiology calls you. There is a type A acute aortic dissection involving the entirety of the left subclavian artery extending distally to approximately two centimeters proximal to the renal arteries. Ooh, okay. Um, well, I need to get his blood pressure down. Um, can we retake it? I believe it was 180 over 90 at the beginning. Okay. Uh, repeat blood pressure is unchanged, 180 over 90. Okay. Um, so let's give him some Esmolol. Um, I want to get his blood pressure down pretty quickly. Um, I do not know the dosing. Do I have an ED pharmacist in, in house today? Your pharmacist today? will dose it. We just need uh, titration parameters. Okay. So um, I want to get him down to, oh gosh, um, less than 150 over less than one or less than 90. Not quite sure about that, but we'll start with that. Um, Okay. Actually, no, I want to get him less than 120 and then I want to get his heart rate down to less than 60 as well. Okay, so Esmolol drip is started. It's titrated, so his heart rate is less than 60. His blood pressure continues to be hypertensive. He's 170 over 80 on recheck. Okay, um, so I need to do another agent for him. Um, maybe a nicardipine drip as well if we have the access for it. Uh, yeah, we can start that. Uh, what What is your goal blood pressure again, Doc? Um, I want to get the blood pressure less than 120 systolic, I think. Okay. Anything else you want to do, Doc? Um, how's his pain? I can also give him some morphine for pain. Uh, patient really appreciates that. Um, okay. How much morphine do you want to give? Um, I'll do four milligrams of morphine. Okay. Anything else you want to do? Um, so I'm trying to remember now if... Which oh, I can't remember if it's type A or type B dissection that is medical versus surgical management. And I'm pretty sure type A is surgical management. So I think we need to get the cardiothoracic surgeon uh, on the phone. Okay. You don't have cardiothoracic surgery. So your unit clerk called the transfer center. Cardiothoracic surgery from another hospital is on the phone. Hi. What can I do for you? Hey, um, this is Dr. Wax at Clerkship General. I have a 70-year-old gentleman with history of hypertension, hyperlipidemia, diabetes, and prior stroke who came in um, with two hours of chest pain and left arm numbness and weakness. Um, He was found to have a type A dissection that is involving his um, aorta, and I believe he has um, acute aortic regurge. He also has um, involvement all the way down to just before the renal arteries. Um, I am currently giving him esmolol and an icardipine drip to attempt to get his heart rate and blood pressure under control. It was 180 over 90 on arrival, and um, now it's still in the 170s, but we're working on getting that down and to a goal of less than 120. And then his heart rate, I believe, has been controlled down to the 60s range. Um, do you have any further thoughts for us before um, we stabilize him to get him to you guys? No. Send him our way, and that okay. ends your case. Oh. <sighs> <laughs> a little over on the time but uh yeah we i were figured getting there so i was gonna give it to you yeah i was like oh gosh i have such little time now that i have a diagnosis 
<laughs> okay, so before we go through how you did, Maddie, let's talk about our sponsor for the month, Pearson Ravitz Insurance. Pearson Ravitz is my personal disability insurance agent. My direct experience working with Pearson Ravitz was nothing short of excellent. There were two standout qualities that really caught my attention while I was working with them to secure my own own occupation disability insurance. So the first was their ability really to break down the terminology into plain English. They realized that, you know, at least most of us are, you know, healthcare professionals who didn't really have a second career. You know, some people are out there who have done business or insurance before going into medicine, but I didn't. So I had none of that terminology and they broke it down into plain English and really made it a point to make sure I was understanding what they were saying, which I really appreciated. Second, their communication was also spot on. Most of my emails, you know, I, I hate to generalize, but this was my experience. Most of my emails were answered within an hour, nothing more than a day. I had multiple people that were points of contact within Pearson Rabbits for me that were seemingly always available to answer my questions, no matter how dumb or stupid they might be. It honestly felt like I was their only client, which I know is not true. So don't wait until it's too late. Check out Pearson Rabbits at www.pearsonrabbits.com and schedule a consultation appointment with their team today. Don't forget to mention EM Clerkship. And now back to our episode. So, Maddie, how do you think that went? Who that was a uh, tough one. I was trying to think of some stroke mimics and then the chest pain that I was thinking is this am I? And it's really just like pain radiating down his arm. But that well, that was all over the place. But I know that that can be how it is in clinical situations like this, where it's a diagnosis that's not what you initially thought or what an EMS initially said. So that was tricky. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, this was a, a tricky case. It was designed to make you think. Um, so I think you got the di- the final diagnosis. What is the final diagnosis for everyone who's listening? Aortic dissection. Yes. Specifically, what type of aortic dissection? Type A aortic dissection. Yes. Um, and what what distinguishes uh, a type A from a type B? Besides, you, you were spot on with the management. You were right that type A is typically a surgical emergency. Type B is typically managed medically. But anatomically, what's what's the difference there? So type A involves the ascending aorta, and then type B involves the descending aorta. Correct. Yes. And because this patient's subclavian artery was involved in this, um, that by definition makes it a type A. So I completely agree with you. Um, before we talk more about dissection and your case, let's let's rewind because you brought up a point that I was going to bring up, but I'm glad you brought it up. Stroke mimics. Stroke mimics are a huge battle every day clinically in the emergency room. You know, at least where I work, uh, EMS has the ability to call pre-hospital stroke alerts. And, you know, I have the ability to call them off. But if I'm wrong, that looks really bad, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So a lot of times stroke alerts get called for things that really don't seem strokish. Um, and I've encountered quite a few stroke mimics now being an attending and not having a neurologist in house all the time, like I did in residency. So what are some other stroke mimics that kind of come to mind for you? You, you, 
you checked for a couple of them at least um, with your, your workup, but what are some common ones that you can think of? Yeah, so I was immediately thinking about hypoglycemia when he mentioned being on insulin, so that can cause even focal neurologic deficits. Um, other things, seizures, I didn't really go down that too far, but um, he didn't have a history of seizures and um, this didn't seem like that given that he didn't really have a discrete period within a postictal. So, um, but you can get Todd's paralysis where you have some weakness afterwards. So that would be another thing to consider uh, as well, which I guess I didn't think about. 100%. I agree. Hypoglycemia is probably number one on the list. Um, these people come in with literally focal, like it looks like a stroke. They look like they're having a stroke. You're like, I'm sure this is a stroke. And then the AccuCheck is 20 and you're like, I am so wrong. <laughs> um, the, the thing with those patients that it took me a while to realize is giving them glucose doesn't fix their neurologic deficit usually right away. It usually mm -hmm. takes like 20 or 30 minutes, at least in my experience, for them to kind of, you know, their mental status will come back quick. But um, I've had multiple cases where I gave the, you know, I called off the stroke alert, gave the glucose, 15 minutes went by, they still have their deficit. So I'm like, all right, I'm calling the stroke alert again. And then in CT, you know, their deficits resolve. So agreed there. Uh, seizure with Todd's paralysis, definitely on the list. Um, and then, yeah, any, any, so aortic dissections are a big one. So any like neurologic deficit plus something else. So, you know, chest pain plus neurodeficit, back pain plus neurodeficit, um, acute limb ischemia with neurodeficit, you know, like yeah. anything like that to set off alarm bells, which it did for you. And um, you caught this, which was really good. Um, a couple comments from my side on the case um, one thing that didn't get brought up um, which the case wasn't really designed to make you make this decision um, but the decision for TPA is a big one um, yes and you know especially when you get that scan and there's like no evidence of a stroke it's up to you to determine you know are are these symptoms disabling enough that TPA is worth it? And then the the consent process for TPA as well is something that's pretty important to know clinically. Mm -hmm. um, but you didn't end up giving TPA. Uh, if you gave TPA, I would have had the patient code on you. Um, so that was good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's, I don't know, do you have any other uh, questions or comments about the case? We're going to be doing a deep dive on dissection. So I'm going to talk a lot more about, you know, how these can present neurologically and uh, uh, kind of the management. But any, any other questions on the case, comments before we go um, into your critical actions? Yeah, I was going to say, let's go into the critical actions. I want to hear specifically what they were. Okay. So I, I you got all the critical actions, but you needed some help and I gave yeah. you some extra time. Um, my five critical actions for you were number one, check an AccuCheck, 100% stroke alert. That's the first thing you should be doing all the time. Um, so much so in the, in the department that when, uh, when you're seeing stroke alerts, I don't know if you're seeing stroke alerts as an intern yet, but the nurses just automatically do it. So when you get a nurse that doesn't automatically do it, it it's like really hard to remember to ask for it because the nurses are usually so good about it but mm -hmm. um definitely get an AccuCheck number one number two was diagnose the aortic dissection number three was give esmolol first before the nicardipine um, and then titrate to a heart rate less than 60 which is our typical titration parameter 
Number four was give some kind of calcium channel blocker, which is typically used for blood pressure control, after the Esmolol and titrate to a blood pressure. Systolic, 100 to 120 is usually what we go for. So you got that. And then lastly, consult cardiothoracic surgery for the type A dissection. Um, so you got all the critical actions, which was fantastic. Um, but the case was a little jumbled at some points, vital signs were missed and the exam was kind of jumbled, but you're still, you know, only six months into this. So the fact that you picked up on this was fantastic. Um, I guess I'll pose one other question for you before we talk about residency, but do you, do you know why we, uh, we give the Esmolol first and we control the heart rate first before we touch the blood pressure? No, I actually didn't know that. So that's a good learning pearl for me. Yeah, so so this is like a throwback to to first year, second year of med school physiology. I I actually forget the the exact receptor receptors that are responsible for this, but um, when you give an antihypertensive, a lot of the time you can get a reflex tachycardia, um, and the the big thing we're trying to do with aortic dissections is reduce the shear force, and so that's going to be the pressure that the blood is being pumped against the tear in the aorta, and the number of times that that high pressure blood hits the aorta um so if we try to lower the blood pressure first the heart rate's going to go up and it it just doesn't make sense to do it that way um especially because esmolol is like so quick on quick off so if you overshoot you know on the heart rate or whatever um, you can quickly adjust it um, so we do Esmolol first, we get the heart rate under 60, and that also has a secondary side effect. It will lower their blood pressure somewhat, but usually not all the way, and they normally need a second agent, which we use a calcium channel blocker for. Um, Nicardipine is the big one. Um, I, in residency, uh, used clavidipine. Clavidipine is very similar to nicardipine. It's kind of like the Esmolol of nicardipine. It's easy on, easy off. It uh, its half-life is very short, so if you overshoot, again, you can just turn it off or turn it down, and uh, those effects will happen pretty quickly. Good to know. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, but that is all I have for you regarding the case. Um, tell us how you're doing in residency. It's now, uh, we're recording at the end of December. Um, so what what rotations have you been on since the last episode? What are you? What's coming up for you? Yeah, I, it does not feel like six months has already passed. It's kind of mind-blowing. But I just finished our orthopedics rotation, so got to deal with the broken bones for a while. Um, and then I am actually doing the holiday back in the department. So I had Christmas off with my family, which was great. And then I'm on overnight for the next uh, seven days over New Year's. So it will be pure chaos, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah those those stretches of overnights uh they they get old pretty quickly i'll tell you that <laughs> yeah um, and then i go back to the department and then um i have a lot of my harder rotations like our trauma and micu and ob um coming up in the next six months so um i'm glad at least i got eased in a little bit and then get to do those things but um i've been talking to all my co-residents and getting all the tips and stuff so it shouldn't be too bad very cool very cool. Um, well, I have no parting words um, <laughs> other than good job. Um, feel free to shoot us an email. You can email me at mike, M-I-K-E, at emclerkship.com. You can email Maddie at M-A-D-D 
ie at emclerkship.com. Give us feedback, ask us questions. We're receptive to emails. We love hearing from you. And until next time, until our deep dive next month, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.